Hello, I am Laura Ellsworth, and I welcome you to the Prairie Doc radio program. I'm filling in today for Joan Hogan. I have been helping with the Prairie Doc for a few years, usually a bit more behind the scenes. I help with the fundraising efforts for the Healing Words Foundation, which is the nonprofit organization that supports this radio program, Prairie Doc on call television, on SDPB, and other efforts to provide honest, science-based medical information. We are going to spend some time today talking about the medical topics of interest to you. If there is a topic or a question you would like to have us discuss, give us a call at 692-1430. 692-1430. In the studio with us today, we have Dr. Jill Cruz. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine, and she practices with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and the Brookings Health System. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, good to be here with you. We've done this a time or two, and Dr. Holm and Joan have been away, so nice to be back with you. Thanks for coming in today and sharing your medical knowledge with us. And Dr. Jill Cruz has invited a guest to join us as well. We have... Nicholas Picus with us. He's a third-year medical student and spending some time with Dr. Cruz at the Avera Clinic here. Thank you very much for having me. Glad thanks, to be here. Thanks for joining us, Nicholas. Happy to have you. Where are you from? Uh, actually, from right here in Brookings. Oh, really? Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, and you're a um, third-year medical student with the University of South Dakota School of Medicine. Yep, that that's correct? right. Very good. And how long will you be with Dr. Cruz? I'll be here for a few weeks. For a few weeks. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us and uh, uh, joining us on the radio program today. Um, We have some exciting news to share with our listeners. Uh, We want to let um, all of our listeners know that our radio program is now available on Apple Podcast. So if you um, are a regular listener of the Prairie Doc radio program and miss it for some reason, aren't able to tune in with us on Wednesday mornings, uh, you can always catch us on Apple Podcast. And we continue to have the um, podcast available on SoundCloud as well. Um, I know podcasts are growing in popularity. Are you guys podcast users and listeners yes so now you can uh add the prairie doc to your podcast library if you're not familiar with that if you have an apple phone there should be a little icon that's purple that says podcast and if you just click on that and then search for prairie doc it should pop right up and you can listen to uh this radio program and past radio programs whenever you want wherever you want So um, I encourage you to check that out and um, see how that works for you. Uh, We also want to encourage everyone to tune in to South Dakota Public Television tomorrow night at 7 o'clock Central Time for this week's Prairie Doc Television Show, which will be an Ask Anything show. And Dr. Deb Johnston will be serving as the host, and she will be joined by Dr. Jill Cruz, who's with us today, and Dr. Andrew Ellsworth. I always find those Ask Anything shows fascinating, seeing what people call in with. and uh, They're probably the most fun to do because you are definitely kept on your toes during the entire hour, and it goes by incredibly fast. Yes, yes, excellent. Well, we will all look forward to watching that um, tomorrow night. And at this time, I think we will take our first break and give you a chance to call in with your questions. Give us a call at 692-1430.
By living a healthy lifestyle, you can lower your risk for heart disease and heart attack. A healthy lifestyle includes the following, eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity, not smoking or using other forms of tobacco, and limiting alcohol use. All the providers at the Avera Medical Group Brookings hope you will follow these guidelines. For more information on a healthy heart, speak with your provider at 697-9500. Welcome back to the Prairie Doc radio program. I am Laura Ellsworth filling in for Joan Hogan. Dr. Jill Cruz is here with me as well as Nicholas Picus, a third year medical student. We're here to answer any of your medical questions um, and we have a few to already look at. Um, we had a caller from a 75 year old woman asking what kind of medicine can be taken for an infected Diverticulitis. Okay. So diverticulitis is talking about when there's an infection of these pockets in the colon, uh, which are called diverticula. So many people have these diverticula in the colon, it doesn't cause any problems until one of them gets irritated or infected, and then you get what's called diverticulitis. The treatment for that is uh, generally a combination of some antibiotics to help with this, as well as trying to give your bowel some rest. So having like clear liquids and not having anything uh, too heavy that you're eating and uh, you know avoiding anything that could possibly irritate those little pockets. So things with like seeds, peanuts, holes, uh, that sort of thing, trying to avoid those when you have this diverticulitis. Uh, infection going on, but definitely you need to see your physician. Most of the time we can treat it as an outpatient with oral antibiotics, uh, pills, and, but sometimes we do need to actually admit people to the hospital, give them IV fluids and the IV antibiotics if we can't control it. Um, but the good thing is, like I said, it's usually very treatable, very easy to treat, and often does not require a hospital stay if we jump on it quickly and get it treated appropriately. Okay, and is that something that then goes away or is it something you kind of um, learn to um, deal with? As so you the diverticulosis, the pockets in the colon, once they're there, they're there forever. They're never going to go away. Okay. But the infection, the diverticulitis, that uh, okay. will go away with the antibiotics. So it is something that can recur and flare up intermittently. Um, some people, if they keep getting it again and again and again and again, uh, very worst case scenario, and this happens incredibly rarely, but if they're ending up in the hospital multiple times with this happening, sometimes they'll take that section of colon and remove it. Okay. Uh, just so that area can't get infected again. Mm-hmm. So, but again, that's absolute worst case scenario, and in my years of practice, I've only seen a handful of patients that have needed to go to that extreme of having surgery to prevent it from happening again because mm -hmm. again you can't get an infection of a part of colon if that part is missing got it got it and so as far as the medicine she was asking about what kind of medicines um so you mentioned the antibiotics yeah, is, okay antibiotics is uh, what we take usually a combination of medication called metronidazole and another one called ciprofloxacin um, those two together tend to um, fight off the infection and inflammation okay all right very good thank you uh, as we've all been noticing here in Brookings today, the weather is getting a little bit cooler by the moment as we are here. So let's talk a little bit about frostbite. What exactly is frostbite? 
So there's uh, frostbite and then there's frost nip. So most people probably have experienced frost nip. And that's when you're outside and your fingers get cold, your nose gets cold, your toes get cold, they're tingling. You come inside, they're red, they're painful. That's because the outer surface of the skin has had cold damage to it. Okay. So actual frostbite is when the injury goes deeper into the skin layer. And again, there's mild frostbite and severe frostbite. With the severe, you actually freeze the liquid in the cells in the skin surface and you can actually kill the skin cells. Okay. Um, so when you talk about people that are doing expeditions to Everest and their nose freeze turns black and pulls off, mm -hmm. or you know, they lose tips of fingers. Um, that can also be people who have had, you know, submergent injuries where they're out, you know, ice fishing and they fall through and then they're walking through the forest, you know, trying to get back to their car after they get sure. out of the water and, and, you know, things freeze and they end up with these terrible injuries. So um, with those, with any of these injuries, the most important thing is to get inside and get warm. Okay. And what we want to do is try to warm up these areas safely. So, you know, putting hands underneath your armpits or, um, you know, trying to get them warm. We don't want to put them in hot water, but like warm water would help to kind of uh, get those areas feeling better. We don't want to rub because if we rub vigorously, what we're going to do is we're going to damage the tissue further. So okay. you want kind of radiant warming. So warm towels, warm blankets, put them arms, your, your hands or any warmer area of your body. Um, and try to have people get warmer, you know, have them drink something you know, coffee or tea or soup, something to kind of warm up the internal yes. core as well. Um, but really, we, you definitely want to get them, if they're in wet clothes or anything that got soaked by snow or by water, you know, get them out of that as quickly as possible. So basically with frostbite and frost nip, it, it's basically you are out too far in the cold, you've damaged the thin layers of skin and basically depending how deep the damage goes is how severe it is. Okay. And now I've heard once you damage it once, perhaps it will more quickly hurt in the future? Yes, yeah, it, is, it that is true. That is true. It is okay. much easier once you've had a bad injury to injure those areas again. They're much more susceptible. So, you know, that's why we tell people, you know, bundle up, wear your hats, wear your gloves. So do everything your mother told you to do when she made you go outside as a little kid to play. So wear your scarf, wear your mittens, wear your good boots, right. uh, especially if you're going out in these temperatures, you know, we're supposed to have a wind chill advisory. So mm -hmm. definitely, you know, don't go out without proper apparel. Right. Yes. It's an important reminder is um, so grateful for all those people who need to be out in this weather, um, the people keeping us all safe. So hopefully um, all those workers are doing that. But for those of us who don't need to be outside, stay inside. Exactly. And if you need to go out, uh, make sure we're properly covered so we can avoid yes. those and, things. And layers are always a good thing and things that are moisture wicking because you don't want to sweat. And then now you've got liquid pooling in your clothes that will now freeze. So yes. You don't want things to pool and cool. You want it moisture wicking so it goes away from the skin so you don't lose any more temperature and, and retained heat. Yeah. Now, I always feel like it's tricky with kids because they um, they don't seem to be bothered by the cold no. like the rest of us. So mm -hmm. um, being really aware, even if your kids want to be outside, limit their playtime. Yep. 
Um, let them get the fresh air, but exactly. in a but short dose. Short doses, yep. Yeah. Bundle them up and then let them play and then come back in. Yes, yes. Excellent. We usually warm up with some hot chocolate. I was going to say, we, we usually have to bribe with hot chocolate and marshmallows yes. at our house to get them to come in. Yes, absolutely. Um, another question I have is a friend of mine was recently diagnosed with Raynaud's. Can you tell us more about what Raynaud's is? Okay. Well, actually, I have a, a mild case of Raynaud's, so oh, I can tell you what it's like personally. Okay. So this is where, again, it's the, your extremities, and it feels a lot like uh, kind of frost nip. So these extremities, uh, it, you'll get the tiny blood vessels there will spasm and clamp down in an effort to keep your core body temperature warmer. So your body uh, basically is prioritizing where you stay warm, and it wants to keep your internal organs and vital organs warm, your heart, your lung, your intestines. It will do that by sacrificing your toes and your hands. Okay. So it shunts everything internally. So with Raynaud's, those vessels will sometimes spasm, and that can cause color changes in the hands and toes. Um, and they can change, we, we say it's the colors of the flag, they can turn red, white, or blue. And sometimes it will go through a progression of all three colors uh, as the uh, areas blanch. So when they're blue, you know, just lower blood areas, when it's white, everything is really clamped down. Red is when it kind of starts to reperfuse. And these people are very sensitive to cold. So my husband laughs at me because I bundle up like I'm going to Antarctica when I take the dog for a walk. Yes. But I need to because otherwise it's incredibly painful. By just going around the block, my hands are burning and on fire oh. uh, if I don't wear good gloves. Mm -hmm. So for people with Raynaud's, it's very important, even more important than anyone else to keep warm. So I do have Arctic rated boots and I just got my gloves from Amazon that actually have a battery pack and they ha are, oh. have heaters in them. Wow. So I am so excited like to, to try it about. Yes. So, you know, like snowmobile gloves or anything with, so to keep them warm. So the best thing with Raynaud's is to prevent the spasms from happening. The way you do that is by keeping the areas warm. Okay. Um, if that doesn't work, there are medications that we can use to, again, help the blood vessels stay dilated and try to keep those areas warm. There's some oral medications and some topical medications. The oh. biggest downside with those that we have to be careful with is that they're also blood pressure medications. By dilating blood vessels, we lower blood pressure. So if you're someone who already has low blood pressure to begin with or um, you know, low normal blood pressure. If we give you these medications, we might actually make you feel lightheaded or dizzy when you stand up or potentially make it easier for you to pass out mm -hmm. due to low blood pressure. So um, there is kind of a, a fine line that we have to walk with uh, treating this. But uh, the biggest thing is prevention. I've just learned to keep my fingers and toes warm. I love wool socks. Yeah. Um, and then you can really minimize how much it impacts your life. Sure. So. If you, um, if an individual suspects they might have Raynaud's, is that important to go in and get checked or? Um, it's, it's not going to cause any permanent damage. It's just painful. Yeah. So, you know, okay. I would definitely mention it if you have concerns with your doctor. Yeah. It could be something that could be brought up at your annual physical. Um, do you need to make a special visit of it? If it's causing you pain and you're not able to do activities you want to do, by all means, yes, come in, make a special visit for it. But I would say, you know, if it's just mild and it happens, you notice this happens every winter that you can't be outside as long as other people because it's painful. Yeah. You know, let your doctor know. 
I know just a few people with Raynaud's, and they're all women around our age. Yes. Is that tends, common? It tends, <laughs> women tend to be affected more than men, and yes, uh, dare I say we're middle-aged yeah. <laughs> women yes. are more apt to have this issue. Okay. So, And is it something women will have? It doesn't really go away, probably. It doesn't really go yeah. away. No. Okay, so just bundle up. And yes, bundle up. Warm. Yes. Is it a concern in the summer with air conditioning? Do you have issues? Uh, I personally don't. If okay. you're really sensitive, you could. Smoking will definitely make this worse because that constricts blood vessels. So okay. if you do, if you have Raynaud's, please don't smoke. Don't smoke anyway. But right. if Raynaud's, it's a really bad idea. Yes. Because it's going to just make a bad thing worse. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Thanks for that information. Uh, we need to take a break. And following these words from Avera Medical Group Brookings, we will be happy to discuss any additional medical issues that you'd like us to talk about. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Millions of people in the United States are not getting screened for colorectal cancer as recommended. They are missing the chance to prevent colorectal cancer or to find it early when treatment often leads to a cure. The vast majority of new cases of colorectal cancer, about 90%, occur in people who are 50 or older. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends screening beginning at age 50. If you think you may be at increased risk for colorectal cancer, learn your family history and ask your doctor if you should begin screening before age 50. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to the Prairie Doc radio program. I'm Laura Ellsworth filling in for Joan Hogan. With me in the studio is Dr. Jill Cruz and third-year medical student Nicholas Picus. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we are getting ready for Valentine's Day. Uh, reminder, everyone, Valentine's Day is coming, so think about um, what you need to do to prepare for that. Um, but as much as it is a holiday of love and happiness and all that, um, many different life situations make it be not a great holiday for some individuals as well. And uh, Dr. Picus is going to fill us in on um, what some people might experience. Fill us in on that. Well, uh, broken heart syndrome is what it's called. It was okay. first discovered in Japan, actually. It goes by the name of Takotsubo cardiomyopathy, if you want to use the $5 term for it. Okay. But uh, it's actually a very fascinating syndrome because these patients would show up with these symptoms of almost a heart attack-like symptoms, early stages and they would uh, either get better in a couple of days or it could progress to a full-on cardiac arrest and they would actually die of a broken heart. Really, broken heart syndrome. Mm -hmm. Okay. It would usually occur after a really bad emotional stressor. So something like uh, maybe a loved one passing or something like that. So it's important to never discount the importance of having some emotional support through trying emotional times, especially around Valentine's Day. Sure, yeah, a holiday like that can kind of bring some of that up that maybe you've been um, putting down for a while um, and covering. So if you're maybe feeling some of these um, these overwhelming senses of, of grief, basically, right? What mm -hmm. are some options or what should you do if you are experiencing that? Well, some of, the, some of the best thing you can do is not ignore the symptoms. If you start seeing symptoms like this, please visit a doctor, visit your, visit uh, to, <coughs> but also, uh, 
always try to have someone to talk to mm -hmm. about these kinds of things. If, you, if something's happening in your life, find a friend, find a family member, find someone to discuss it with, even a counselor. Yes, very good. Always worth it to reach out for help, right? Um, yep. I know point. Dr. Holm always talks about the importance of connection with people and connection with your mental health, your physical health, emotional health, you know, all of those things. So yes, Brugada, it, it's a very, it's not a common syndrome. So I don't want to think every time, yes. you know, <laughs> SDSU, uh, you know, someone has a breakup that, you know, they're going to end up in the emergency room or the hospital. So rare syndrome, uh, but definitely uh, something very interesting that we didn't realize that our emotional and mental health can have such a impact on your physical health and your heart and can actually cause strain of the heart muscle itself, literally due to feeling so hurt. And we talked about, you know, my heart is breaking and literally it feels like their heart is hurting because it becomes enlarged and swollen so mm -hmm. you know we we talk about it metaphorically of my heart's breaking but it physically can mm -hmm. with this which is so fascinating so again you know that connection and finding someone to help you through this again highly rare i, I don't expect anyone in brookings to have broken heart syndrome on yes. friday <laughs> but if they do you know we will take good care of you just make sure you get in and be seen and uh, but yes, highly rare, but just one of those uh, interesting little medical tidbits that you learn about in med school that's um, always fun. Again, I've only read about it in textbooks. I've never seen it in person, thank sure. goodness. Yes. So, but yes. just a little fun little fact we thought we'd share with you uh, coming up with this holiday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of the importance of connection, uh, if you... Yesterday was uh, February 11th, which is 211 day. And if you um, don't have, if, if, if you're feeling all alone and you feel like you don't have someone to talk to, you can always call 211. And that is a number that's answered 24 hours a day. And there are um, amazing call specialists um, there to answer your phone calls. And they can um, offer some listening and support. They can connect you with some resources if you um, need some help. So that is a fabulous resource. If you do need some help connecting with someone, connecting with others, and just kind of feeling um, lonely, they are a great place to call. Um, in addition to being a, a place 211, I just have to put my plug in for 211. It's such a fantastic resource for our community and for our state. Um, if you need any sort of assistance with, you know, food, uh, you want to know where to go vote, any kind of nonprofit government resource, they have that information for you. Um, they're also able to um, they answer the actually they answer the um, suicide hotline for the state of South Dakota as well. So, when you're ever looking for some connection uh, or some help and just not sure where to go next, the the easiest thing is to call two one one. So um, keep that resource tucked in the back of your mind if if you ever need it. So, uh, we have another call come in. Um, this question says, I had great skin acne free when growing up now in my 50s i've developed acne why <laughs> uh well consider uh, your 50s if, if this is a female and and also with men as well probably going through a change in the life cycle here. Mm -hmm. So just like in your teenage years when acne is very prevalent, uh, hormones are kind of going all over the place. Also when women are entering into menopause, hormones are drastically changing in our body. And we do know that hormones have a 
way of affecting um, acne, so especially testosterone. So as women go through menopause, their estrogen to testosterone levels shift dramatically, where they go from being estrogen dominant to now more testosterone. Testosterone is more apt to have someone develop acne. So my suspicion is, although I don't know the gender of the caller, I would suspect it's probably someone who is entering into the change of life and it's probably those hormones doing some radical shifting and as I like to call them power surges Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, that could put her at higher risk for developing acne now so uh, treatments for it same thing you would have used when you were a teenager so um, hooray for getting through teenage years being acne free but I guess you're getting it in the end yeah it's a power surge exactly I like that that. yes they're not hot flashes they're power surges yeah (laughs) I I like that a lot all right well we need to take um, our final break and so following these words from Avera Medical Group Brookings we'll be happy to discuss your medical questions give us a call at 605-692-1430 the American Academy of Pediatrics has issued media guidelines for preschoolers that are helpful for parents and grandparents. Under the age of two, media should be very limited and only used when adults are standing by to co-view, talk, and teach. For example, video chatting with family along with their parents. For children 18 to 24 months, if you want to introduce digital media, choose high quality programming and use media together with your child. For children aged two to five, limit screen time to no more than one hour per day. Find other activities for your children to do that are healthy for their bodies and mind. Choose media that is interactive, nonviolent, educational, and pro-social. If you have questions about social media for children, speak with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to the Prairie Doc radio program. I am Laura Ellsworth, filling in for Joan Hogan, and Dr. Jill Cruz and third-year medical student Nicholas Picas are here in the studio with us today as we answer your medical questions. Um, We have a question here saying, my granddaughter has contracted mononucleosis. She is a freshman at State. How long will she need to miss classes? I would hate for her to miss an entire semester. Is there something she can do to lighten her illness? Uh, Well, mononucleosis is caused by a virus, and unfortunately there's no really medication that treats the infection itself. Um, Occasionally we will use some steroids if the tonsils are swollen to such a size that it makes it difficult for people to swallow or uh, difficulties with breathing, but that really just shrinks down the inflammation of the tonsils. It doesn't really treat the infection. So with um, mono, it's what we call supportive care. So rest, fluids, and um, treating any fevers or body aches with Tylenol or ibuprofen. With mono, there's a risk of the spleen getting enlarged because that's where our body kind of deals with uh, viruses and likes to trap them and filter them out. Um, And with that, uh, when the spleen is enlarged, it has so much blood flow and it's so vascular that it's very easy to rupture if it's enlarged. So when someone has mono, we tell them no contact sports for one month after they've been diagnosed. So um, one month with no sports. Now that doesn't mean she can't be in class for an entire month. Mm -hmm. Um, There's 
at least last time I checked at SDSU, no one was tackling you when you were sitting in lecture. So sure. uh, usually with mono, people are out for one to two weeks okay. of classes. The people that are out extended periods of time, which I have seen on rare occasion are usually the people that push themselves to go back after two or three days. So mm. with this illness, um, you really don't want to try to push through. You want to listen to your body and rest. Uh, the more you try to fight it and try to act like you're fine, the longer it will drag out. So I tell people, if you feel like sleeping 12 hours a day, sleep 12 hours a day, which most people with mono will say they can do with no problem. So rest, listen to your body, and you will slowly get back to normal. It may be a month before they feel completely back to themselves, but uh, hopefully should only need to miss, like I said, one to two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, each case is very individual on how hard they're hit. Uh, so again, talk to your doctor. We are more than happy to write notes for you know people and, and talk to professors uh, about helping with classwork um, issues, but uh, should not miss an entire semester. I, I've only seen that maybe once, and that was someone who really uh, didn't listen to their physician and really tried to push themselves and act like nothing was wrong. So listen to your body, heal, and you should get over it pretty quickly. That's a great reminder to be aware of what your body needs, and if you need that rest, um, make take sure it. you take advantage of that. Very good. Well, um, I want to thank you, Dr. Jill Cruz yes. and uh, Nicholas, for joining us in the studio today. I want to remind our listeners to check out our podcast availability now, um, both through the Apple Podcast and through SoundCloud. And reminder to tune in tomorrow night to hear more from Dr. Cruz, Dr. Deb Johnston, and Dr. Andrew Ellsworth uh, at 7 p.m. on South Dakota Public Television um, to address more of the um, timely and interesting medical topics that um, are out there right now. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. As always, you can hear and see more from the Prairie Doc online at prairiedoc.org. Uh, thank you again for joining us in the studio, Dr. Cruz and Nicholas Picus. And that's all until next week. As Dr. Home would say, stay healthy out there, people.